Happy Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Great people, local ownership, outstanding customer service. Uh, Take a look at their website, abotanicalcompany.com. Check out their natural medicine products and uh, give them a call for that matter, 405-458-9699. Find out how they can help you, how their products can help you live a better life because that's what they're all about. They do tremendous things for the community and I'm really excited to have them on board with this podcast, Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. All right, I know everybody's tired of uh, a lot of the things happening in the world, so let's just talk football. We're going to talk football for the next hour Here is my guest on today's edition of the Colby Daniels Podcast. Happy Thursday, everyone. My guest today from the Sports Animal Tulsa 97.1. He is the co-host of the Pat Jones Show. He is Eric G. Eric, it's been a couple weeks since we spoke. Uh, The state has been under duress from the ice storm. Uh, We're still cleaning up the wreckage here, but how are you? Fine. Okay, so the big question is, how many trees did y'all lose and the ones that you lost, did you cut them down yourself or were you smart and have somebody else coming to do that? Because no offense, you don't look like a chainsaw kind of guy. I know you're into horses and stuff and you're kind of a badass, but I can't see Colby Daniels wielding a chainsaw. You would be incorrect in, in two places there. I'm not the horse guy. Okay. My wife was an all-American at Oklahoma State and equestrian, so she's the horse person. Well, by osmosis, don't you kind of take that on too? Doesn't she kind of teach you how to how to ride and and how to groom and how to take care of them? I mean, obviously, being questioned, she's going to know what she's doing. So, doesn't that filter down? She's attempted to teach me, but it, none of it sticks. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like Groundhog Day with me every day. Like I start back at at point zero. So I don't I don't know why. Like I just I I can't remember any of the terms or any of that. So. The horse thing is is her deal, and I'm just like a child when it comes to horses. I know nothing, and uh, despite her best efforts educating me. Uh, the chainsaw thing, I actually love chainsaws, and the reason I didn't want to oh, cool. hire out the, the wreckage here is because I just enjoy, you know, sawing stuff up. And so uh, I think it was last Thursday I spent the entire day clearing our driveway. That's how long it took just to clear the driveway and for about 10 hours after I finished, my hands were just vibrating from holding the chainsaw all day. So it was it was very gratifying. So, okay. So what we take from that, what we take from that is very important, is if there are any mass murder Texas chainsaw massacre situations that go down, and if we have the Oklahoma chainsaw massacre, then you would be the number one suspect. That 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 is the big takeaway from that from that whole statement. Well, maybe, yeah. I mean, it's it's reasonable to, to say that I, I enjoy using a chainsaw. Now, I mean, murder's a whole other deal, but you know, uh, that'll be that, that that'll be the, that'll be the quote in the paper as you're on trial. They're gonna play this that, clip that, right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When the uh, when the when the district attorney or the state attorney general, whoever is, has has you up on the stand, quote. I enjoy using a chainsaw. Yeah, <laughs> that, that'll be that'll be the quote that damns and, you. <laughs> and I would be lying if I said I didn't uh, a few times just hold the chainsaw over my head and rev it up, and then just maybe give like a whoa type of laugh. Colby Daniels going all Bruce Campbell, Army of Darkness yeah. style. Yes, yeah. I There's love nobody it. around. I'm I'm simply doing that for my own amusement, by the way. So that's that's where okay, I am so- in 2020. 
Okay, so marketing idea. All right, so for everyone that listens to Colby's podcast, Colby is going to put him on his face basically on Bruce Campbell's body, and he's going to put that on a shirt. And that'll be the logo for the Colby Daniels podcast is you holding the chainsaw over yes, your head like air, Bruce yeah. Campbell and Army of Darkness. That's awesome. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I would wear one of those proudly because I, I won't touch a chainsaw because I know I would hurt mostly myself or maybe someone else. So I do mankind a favor. That's how I approach everything. By me being lazy, it's saving <laughs> lives. Can't convince the wife of that, but I think everybody else would agree. Eric, you just stay inside and watch sports and listen to music, and the rest of the world won't get hurt. So it's it's an agreement. I, I, love, I love my fellow man, and that's how I protect him. You, on the other hand, go out and get things done. I love the optimistic point of view, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited that somebody in this world looks at something through a positive lens. So I appreciate about that about you. I was going to be Leatherface for Halloween, but I, oh, did, I didn't think running around the neighborhood revving up a chainsaw in, in these times was probably a good idea. That, that, that no, might have put somebody dude, over it's, the it's, edge. It's 2020. Honestly, most pe- most of your neighbors would have looked out would have looked out the door and said, "Eh, <laughs> I mean, right. part for the course. It's just the way they shear it." Hey, Leatherface is out there running around. Okay, what's next? Yeah, I mean, back you to know. whatever mundane yeah. thing we're paying attention to. No, uh, and the I question mean, would have been: Is he wearing a mask? Is Leatherface? Yes, yeah, Leatherface yeah. wearing a mask. <laughs> like our society is so numb to any news like and you know take this for what it's worth but the the amount of reports there have been about like alien life and alien activity like collectively the world's just like oh look at that anyway back to whatever we're doing like i feel like in other years when you have any of these alien reports true or not it's going to get a little bit more traction in 2020 people are like we can't even deal with what's on our plate right now never mind the aliens well, because the aliens came down, saw Earth, and went, "Yeah, do we want to? Do we want to clean up this mess? Let them handle it first. You know, it, it's like a corp. It's like a corporate takeover. Let them get out of debt. You know, let them get to a point where they're where they're financially solvent. Then we'll take it over. So we walk into an automatic 100% profit situation versus trying to bail the Earth and, in particularly, America out of the debt and the crappy situation that it's put itself into, especially these last six years. But that's that's my political statement. There we go. There we go. I like it. Speaking of Halloween, um, I was able to get our entire trick or treating in between the end of the Oklahoma State Texas overtime and the kickoff of Oklahoma. And so we knocked that out, and I sat down and then watched the ass-kicking that took place. But, um, yeah, a couple of – I wasn't surprised by the Oklahoma game. I, I, Steely and I talked about this in the pregame show last Saturday. I thought Oklahoma was going to win big against Texas Tech. I just don't think that much of Texas Tech. Um, but I was I was massively surprised by just the piss-poor performance in Stillwater. And, and, look, even after that loss, I think Oklahoma State's still the better team. They did everything they could to lose that game, and it still took overtime for Texas to get it done. But uh, that's a bad loss for Oklahoma State. And all of a sudden, you look at the Big 12, Oklahoma seems to be rounding a corner, and they're starting to play a brand of football where they're not shooting themselves in the foot like we saw Oklahoma State do. That was their biggest issue for two weeks in, in the Kansas State-Iowa State game and, and even the Texas game to a degree. So uh, this league, man, is really interesting. And, you know, we kind of thought it would be at this point in the season, but... Uh, I didn't necessarily expect 
it was going to be Texas that brought Oklahoma State back to the pack. Well, let's uh, on the bright side of things, the best way to look at it is chances are one of the two state schools is, is still going to end up in the in, in the Big 12 championship. Let's start with Oklahoma. Some dominating defensive performances in the last two weeks, which we have been waiting to see for them for a long time. But where you have to taper that is, you said the key words, Texas Tech isn't very good, okay? TCU isn't very good. So while Oklahoma's defense looks good, it's a tremendous shot in the arm to get a guy like Ronnie Perkins back. You got to remember who the competition is. And this week, they're going to look stellar again because – I mean, if you thought the Texas Tech game was embarrassing, they are going to blow the doors off Kansas so bad. Lincoln Riley may actually have to kneel on the ball for the last for the last 15 minutes of the game to keep OU from scoring 100. And OU's defense has a legit shot to pitch another shutout. They got a legit shot to do that against this Kansas team because they're god awful. But a week off, and then you have Bedlam coming. You're gonna you're gonna play a team that, despite its mistakes against Texas, has more offensive firepower than anybody else in in the league, e- even OU. Um, with the return of Ramondre Stevenson, you know Ramondre Stevens, that's great. But you know Chuba Hubbard, that's somebody that OU is gonna have to deal with. LD Brown, they're gonna have to figure out a way. I mean, look, you can't control Tylen Wallace. And what OU was going to have to bank on against Oklahoma State to, to a certain extent is that OSU has the same kind of performance that they did against Texas. So before we start to put our seal of approval on Alex Grinch and we start to automatically think that OU is rounding a quarter, let's proceed with a little bit of caution, knowing that in, in three weeks from now, because of the off week, that's when we'll have the real judgment on if if we can start looking at OU and say, wow, not only are they not only are they the best team in the Big 12 when they're healthy and they've got everybody back, but they're showing signs of being able to build something on. It's optimism. Yes, you have every reason in the world to be optimist, optimistic about it, but proceed with caution. And remember, please remember, Spencer Rattler is still a freshman. And in the we haven't seen we haven't seen him in a game. We've seen him in the Texas game. But will he react the same? I mean, think about it in Texas. You had to pull him out and then bring it back in. Will he react the same, or, or how much more maturity will he show by the Oklahoma State game, which is maybe the most fascinating aspect of that game, Colby, because every week he just gets better and better. And every week he looks older, which is which is really interesting because comparing him to Spencer Sanders – Sanders really regressed, has has regressed back to the point where he was at the beginning of last season. So there's my diatribe on that. (laughs) Spencer Rettler hasn't turned the ball over since he was benched in the Texas game, right? Like since he's been back in the Texas game, I don't think he's turned the ball over. And I think that one that says a lot about him. Two, it also tells you with, with Lincoln Riley, Lincoln Riley is not just a good coach of guys who have experience. Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts. He is a guy that knows how to groom. 
and he has done a good job of bringing Spencer Rattler along. The other thing that helps Spencer Rattler, and this can't be said enough, and I'm sorry if I'm being redundant here, but the fact that he has lived his life in the spotlight since he was probably in eighth grade, it's going to be hard to let social media and guys like us really get to him. Completely, It's going to be hard to let the fans get to him because he understands what it is in the spotlight. So in a sense, he's had, he's always worked in high pressure situations. So when he makes mistakes, he's going to have that, that attitude of, okay, how do I learn from it? What do I got to go out and do better next? And Lincoln Riley should feel comfortable that when Spencer Rattler, after the Texas game, Lincoln Riley's got to feel really comfortable that now he doesn't have to pull the reins back on him. He can let him go. And it's like, okay, if he makes a mistake, we're going to trust him not to make it the next time because he's going to be able to to go out and, and perform and perform under duress as well as somebody as Baker Mayfield did. I mean, God, the kid is impressive. I mean, it's just – it's kind of hard to believe that he's a redshirt freshman yeah. sometimes. Remember really three is. weeks ago when, when everybody wanted to, to bench him and move on to somebody else? <laughs> I kept saying, don't I, panic, don't panic, it's okay. He's going to make mistakes, no. he's a young guy, but he's fine. And you said it all along, he's the one thing on that offense you don't worry yeah. about, and you're not going to worry about him. And it's it's interesting to watch, to watch his growth over the next two seasons is going to be really interesting because – whether he's a Heisman candidate or not, which everybody's expecting, what I want to see is what kind of th- – can he make the NFL throw like Baker Mayfield a couple, did a couple of weeks ago when, when Cleveland – can't remember who they beat because uh, I know they lost Cincinnati. to the Raiders last – Cincinnati. Yeah. When Baker Mayfield made that throw, that was an NFL throw. Can Spencer Sanders do that in college or Spencer Rattler? He's not the runner that Kyler Murray is – but can he show signs of being a guy where you're a defensive coordinator, no matter what you're telling your guys, you can't really prepare for him. Can it, what is it? How is he going through his progressions? What is the decision-making process? I just want to see how quickly he gets NFL ready. If it'll be next year or it'll, it, it'll be the, the year after that. And I'm betting on sometime in the middle of next year, you and I are going to be talking about how this guy could play in the league now. He's that good. Um, because I think a- acumen-wise, acumen and aptitude, he has a great feel for the game. And, and it seems like you just get the feeling that when he's sitting in the – he's sitting in that room with Lincoln Riley – He's just eating up everything Lincoln Riley is telling him. Like, like, it's, like his his brain is a computer just taking in all this information. And he's going to go out and he's going to do it like his coach says. But also, he probably has that relationship where hopefully by midseason next year, if he can say, I'm seeing this, let's do this, Lincoln Riley gives him the leeway to – to have, a, to have a little bit of a say on what goes on on the field. I mean, yeah. and that, that t- you got to trust the guy, but – yeah, let's hope that that happens. He's got a lot of room to grow, and he's already really good. And I think the physical tools, as far as throwing the football, are there. Um, athletically, it, is he Kyler? No. When you watch him run, does he look dynamic? The answer is no. But I think kind of like Baker Mayfield, he has just enough athleticism to get himself out of trouble, to extend plays. And at sometimes, if you're not expecting it at all, maybe make a big play for you on the ground. But 
from an IQ standpoint and just an overall like personality command of the offense being the undisputed leader like there's still a lot of room for him to grow in that department and I think once he gets so comfortable in this offense and so comfortable being out there and so comfortable where it's just second nature you're going to really see him take that next step and and again that's why I'm not really that worried about him because you can see the physical tools are there he just needs more experience and the more playing time he gets he's going to skyrocket he is going to be incredible and you know like the, the same to a lesser degree the same sort of thing with Spencer Sanders certainly Spencer Sanders from a passing standpoint isn't nearly the same guy that Spencer Rattler is but when I watch him play like the biggest issue for me is is the IQ stuff and he's you know he's it kind of felt like last year he was starting to figure it out and then he got hurt and then this year he gets hurt immediately has to sit out a bunch of games and once again he's just kind of trying to find his footing Maybe I'm wrong. I, I'm not overly concerned about Spencer Sanders not being the guy. Now, you don't want to have to lose a bunch of games in the process of him figuring it out, but I do think he will figure it out. I think he will play considerably better football than we've seen him play right now, but the quarterback position is just one of those where, I mean, you have to have reps. You have to go through it, and you have to make some mistakes in the process to learn what you can and can't get away with. And it's the same thing when you get to the next level. You can get away with things in college that you can't in the NFL. And and young guys, especially in college, same thing. You can get away with certain things when you're playing high school football that you can't get away with when you get to the college game. And once you kind of figure <laughs> out that speed and you know just all of the moving parts – you figure out what you're capable of, what you're not, what you can expect from the other side. Then all of a sudden the game slows down and you really see how talented somebody is. And so I think with both of those guys, they both have considerably higher ceilings than we're seeing them play right now. You know, Sanders is an interesting one um, because um, I disagree with you a little bit on him. And the, and the biggest problem that, that he faces right now is trust from the Oklahoma State staff because unlike Rattler, yeah, Tanner Lincoln Riley is not Tanner Mordecai and uh, Chandler Morris are not threats to take Spencer Rattler's job unless Spencer Rattler were to suffer some horrific in injury. Right, because Shane Illingworth showed during you can win with him, and he's got some. You know, you wouldn't say incredible arm talent, but really good arm talent. The Oklahoma State staff has seen, okay, if Sanders isn't our guy, we have a guy we are confident in. The offense will be a little different. You won't you won't have that dimension of being able to run the ball, but we're, we're pretty confident on his decision-making process. We know he can hit the receivers, and at absolute worst – if he can, if we're throwing short, intermediate passes, keeping the defense honest, we've got two good running backs. So for for Sanders, this game with Kansas State is very important. He's got to show he can make good decisions. Last year, what you saw was the staff kind of pulled the reins in on him when he was making bad decisions. They limited the offense around him. Well, they wanted to go back opening it up, and it's got to be really frustrating to, Kate, to Casey Dunn and to Mike Gundy to think that you're going to have to do that again for this guy who should be further along than, than what he is. And you just wonder after last week, like let's say Spencer Sanders goes out and throws an interception first pass of that K-State game. One, where is his confidence level? And two, does that tip the scale? I mean, Mike Gunny said after the game that he wasn't really worried about the turnovers after looking at 
at the Texas film and gave one of the Texas defensive backs credit for being in the right position on the interception. But you had that bad exchange. I think it was with LD Brown that caused a fumble. Now one fumble, Chuba, you know, one turnover, Chuba Hubbard just put the damn ball on the ground. But if if Sanders can't show in K State that he believes in himself and his it throws of confidence and he's out there with an air of confidence around that team, it's starting to feel like there's a that there's going to be a quick trigger on him. And you know, right now. You, I mean, you've got oh, what are, you know, fans are what they are. There are OSU fans clamoring for Shane Illingworth at this point because they're so disappointed in last week's game. And another problem he'll face is if you're you put your you put your defense in the same position that you did last week, and OSU's defense played tremendously last week. And Sanders and Sanders unfortunately put them in a position where you know, you know, they were asked to do too much. You're the defense, and you're in that situation against K State this week, and you got OU coming up, and you lose this game. Yeah, you may want to you may want a quarterback change. I mean, that could start causing a fraction w- within that team. That going into the season, it seemed like it like it was already on shaky ground to some extent with all the stuff that had happened with Mike Gundy. You can't afford to have a schism now. I mean, that Texas game was. It cannot be made a big a deal. There cannot be a big a deal enough made out of what happened at Texas for Oklahoma State. They have got to come out and dominate K-State this week, get that confidence back going into Bedlam. And right now, it feels like it's tenuous at best, and they need to start quick. And unfortunately for Spencer Sanders, that means the reins are back on. Establishing the run, having a mindset of being the more physical team with that offensive line, blowing K-State off the ball and throwing short passes and letting those guys get yak yards. That's it. It's where he is. And he's put himself in that situation. And if he doesn't like it and he wants to go deep, get over it. Because that's something that's going to happen during the game gradually because you can't trust him. You you just can't. And it's got to be killing Mike Gundy right now. Well, Mike Gundy, I think, has always been a little bit hesitant to give – younger quarterbacks any leash I mean we we've seen it with everybody that's gone through there early in their careers it doesn't seem like they want to put too much on their plate it doesn't seem it it just it's always felt like the offense has been very limited and very cautious and with Spencer Sanders you're probably right they're probably going to go back into that mode against Kansas State I think that's the wrong way to go about it I think you have to continue to let him learn through his mistakes and if if he's making mistakes early then to your point about Shane Illingworth then then go for it make the move but this team is at its best when Spencer Sanders is in there and I think the best they've looked offensively all season long is when Spencer Sanders is running the ball if they had if they were establishing the run game this year the same way they did a year ago then I think we're having a completely different conversation but the run game hasn't been nearly as good they haven't found a rhythm and so Spencer Sanders running ability is even more important to what that opens up for this offense. And and look, I'll even go back to the Shane Illingworth games. Was he good? Yes. Do we see the talent? Yes. But again, we saw how limited the offense was. They didn't want to to give him yeah. a lot to work with. They didn't want to take a bunch of shots. It, it, it felt like they were, you know, being, I mean, kids gloves, right? It felt like they were very, very careful with what they were calling and not allowing Shane Illingworth to, to, be in the position to even make a mistake. So with Spencer Sanders, I, I you have to allow him 
to make plays that could potentially go against you, but he's not going to turn that corner if you continue to be cautious with him. So, you know, again, th- this is part of the issue with young quarterbacks and having to allow them to get some experience and, and work through mistakes. And, and for the people that criticize Gundy for not getting Spencer Sanders in his freshman year, this is exactly the reason this season is the reason why two years ago, people hammered Mike Gundy for either not playing Spencer Sanders all year long or not taking advantage of the redshirt rule. Because in a year where you're not going to win, that's probably the most opportune time to play a quarterback that's also going to go through his own struggles and, and kind of learn through the trial by fire type scenario. Why the hell would you want a quarterback to be going through that when you legitimately have a team that has enough experience and enough talent to go win a conference title? We shouldn't even be having this conversation. Spencer Sanders should have played enough football by now that he's rounded that corner. And and look, I I would also say the injury this season certainly plays into that. I mean, if, if we're talking about him not getting hurt and having those games early to kind of shake off the rust, then maybe this is a completely different conversation. But this is why I think two years ago, Mike Gundy got so much criticism for how he handled the quarterback position. Well, there's a couple of other things to keep in mind too with Spencer Sanders. Yes, the injury certainly didn't help, but also no spring this year, and you were exactly. limited in what you were you were limited in what you were doing with, with with all the COVID stuff. So once he and that's that's the bad thing about football is once if you get into a rhythm late. Once your season ends, it's months before you get an opportunity to go out and have any competition again. And and obviously that's something that Spencer Sanders would have been would have benefited greatly from this year with would the would be have spring football, be able to work out with his teammates during the summer and as much as you can learn on Zoom meetings, it's not like doing the actual physical work. So by him not just having that committed to muscle memory, it, it certainly made it, it certainly made things a little difficult. And it's not just the Texas game where we, where we saw him uh, make some bad throws. You know, a couple of weeks ago uh, when Iowa State was in town, he had that bad you know bad interception right at the, right at the start of the game. The thing about it is, you, you talk about limiting. The, it was really interesting. You, you said that you talked about limiting the offense with. Um, with Shane Illingworth, you can do that when you've got a defense as good as Oklahoma State's is. As long as you're not constantly putting them in bad position, as long as they're not having to work with short fields, defending people, that defense is good enough to overcome just about any mistakes that your offense makes. Okay, and think about think. First of all, yeah, wrap fair. your head around that that we that we said that around about a Big Twelve team. Okay, just let let that sink in. OSU's defense is good enough to overcome any mistakes your offense makes. How's to that an for twenty twenty? Yeah, you can't say that about any other team in this conference. Not even OU's. At least not now, because we haven't seen it for more than a couple of games. Um, so if you're Gundy. You've got enough confidence in those guys on the other side of the ball that if you put Illingworth in, you keep the offense limited. Yeah, maybe you're not scoring at the volume and the output you want, but you you are the one team in this conference that you've already proven it. You can win low-scoring games. You can win tight games. And it's not necessarily Big 12 football. It's not even SEC football at this point, but 
it's you know it's effective and that may be what they have to do if spencer sanders can't get back on track this week against kansas state um because honestly i mean this bedlam game which at one point looked like osu might be the clear favorite i think that's really that that changed that all changed in the last couple of weeks yeah, for sure. And and look, I, I think the Kansas State game is huge for Spencer Sanders. I mean, this is this is where he really needs to learn from the mistakes and turn that corner. And, you know, going back to the Spencer Rattler conversation, like, throw the Missouri State game out. Kansas State, he made a bunch of mistakes. Iowa State, he made a bunch of mistakes. Texas, he made a bunch of mistakes. I mean, it takes a little bit of time to learn from those mistakes and get those opportunities to correct those mistakes. So, you know, this is kind of the game where I feel like we should see something from Spencer Sanders. So, it, you know, if he goes out there and, and it's a, a three-interception game, then my opinion changes. And, and, you know, we're talking about potentially making that move. But, again, I just think with what he brings to the offense, he does have more experience, regardless of some of the inexperienced mistakes he's made. He has more experience than the other guy that we're talking about. And he brings a different dynamic to the offense. I, you have to give him a little bit more leash see how he reacts, and if it if he doesn't react well, I mean, to Spencer Rattler's credit, after the Kansas State game, after the Iowa State game, and after the first part of Texas, Spencer Rattler came back in a big way and reacted really well, and so I think that's kind of the same scenario as Spencer Sanders. I think you have to give him the opportunity to bounce back and learn from those mistakes and and show what he's capable of, but if he doesn't react the right way, then, then sure, I think we can change the conversation, but for now, again, I, I just think that you got to give him a little time. I mean, this is only, he's going basically into game number three. Going into game number three, there were a lot of people that were very cautious about how they felt about Spencer Rattler, and certainly after a quarter of play in game number three, a lot of Sooner fans were ready to call it quits. Yeah, and here's the thing. Here's something else to consider with Spencer Sanders. If you're Casey Dunn, and you're looking at how the offensive line reg regressed this past week against Texas, I probably do more called quarterback runs more than necessarily RPO situations for, for Spencer Sanders this game. Uh, reason being, one, because he, I mean, he is, he's not Kyler Murray, but he's, he's also a guy that in a situation you really can't account for on defense. But two, I just think that having him run the ball, not having to worry about handing it off, handing it off, is, is going to eliminate some of the the, the combination or eliminate some of the chances that you're taking in the in the exchange that, that he had last week. But it couldn't mask some of those deficiencies with the offensive line, and that uh, for as problematic as Spencer Sanders was, that was probably the most alarming thing about Saturday was against Texas was watching that offensive line step back to where it was a couple of weeks ago because you thought they had solved some of those problems that they were starting to look like they were playing better which was really weird it was almost like them and OU were progressing along the same line in that position then you take a huge step back and now you're wondering okay it wasn't an an anomaly was Texas just that much more physical or is this just who they are and you're really gonna need spencer sanders to make more plays with his legs versus trying to make it with it with his arms here in these next couple of weeks while you try and fix a a position that's always a, a group or a unit that's always going to be problematic for oklahoma state i mean it's just kind of the way things are set up you're never going to get the high profile 
offensive linemen, you've got to develop them. And then you got to kind of hope about third, fourth year that they're, you know, that they're a really tight unit. But that's that makes you a little bit nervous going in, going into the rest of the season if you're an OSU fan because you just don't you don't know where those guys are. And I think it's interesting that we're, you know, at the beginning of the year, I didn't think we'd have this many questions about Oklahoma State. I really well, didn't. not offensively for sure. No, I, I thought they were the best team in the Big Twelve going going into this year. Still fake. Uh, I, I would still stay, take their starting twenty-two over anyone over anybody else's twenty-two, but that game that game last week. I mean, I don't know. I don't think it's overreaction that that we're so alarmed to wonder if they're, you know, if, if they're a championship caliber team or not. And by championship, I mean Big Twelve championship because. Hey, last week Texas eliminated the Big Twelve from the playoff. Thank you, Texas. Thank you once again for for screwing something up in this conference. Damn it! Yeah, hate those guys. Look, I, I might be in the minority here, but I think the situation you're in with Oklahoma State right now makes it easier to maybe call the game in a in a, an aggressive type of way. And number one, because you do have a great defense. Number two, you're going into a game against Kansas State, who I, I do like their defense, but since Skylar Thompson went down and this freshman quarterback they're playing and their offensive line issues, you know, I, I, I think that they are going to struggle offensively, Kansas State being uh, this Saturday. So I think that you can probably overcome some mistakes if mistakes do happen, uh, but you also give him, you know, enough leash to, to potentially turn that corner like Spencer Rattler had. But the other thing is, he's the reason we all think he should be the starter, or at least the reason I think he should be the starter, is because he adds the ground element, right? He's so dynamic running the football. Yeah. I know Absolutely. in football we constantly talk about protecting your quarterback, and you don't want to put them at risk of getting hurt. In this situation, though, if you've got a guy that is struggling a little bit in the passing game, you have a really good defense, and you have a guy in the number two quarterback spot that it, you're, you're not too scared to have to play, why wouldn't you take advantage of his legs with every opportunity you get? I mean, injuries happen, and I'm not I, saying you know, that you want to put him at risk, but considering all the circumstances, you have this great defense, and you have this guy in the backup quarterback position that, that has shown at least he can be a, a game manager if you need that. Why wouldn't you do everything you could to take advantage of what makes Spencer Sanders the special quarterback that he is? And that's, that's the ground game. Okay, gonna answer that with a question. So maybe the stupidest thing that I've ever said. Okay, which you know, mark that, make it you know, number one thousand five hundred fifty-six dumb things that Eric November says in, in one particular 5th, hour. Twenty twenty. <laughs> There's no way you can say something but stupid you... enough this week that's going to surprise me. But <laughs> this may be it. Do you think Casey Dunn expects Spencer Sanders to call his own number a little bit more on the RPOs and he's just not doing it for some reason. That's and that now, and if that's the case, then that tells you more about Spencer Sanders than it does Oklahoma state's game plan. It goes back to that whole idea of take the RPO out of the decision-making process and just, call a quarterback run call as many quarterback draws sweeps whatever to just get to get those legs moving because at the beginning of the year i can remember pat you know pat jones my you know co-host in tulsa being a little bit worried that sanders might be a guy that calls his number too much on the rpo 
And he's like, you don't know how yeah. many of those are called runs versus RPOs. Right. But now I'm starting to get the sense just in, just in what you said, it sort of hit me. It's like, you know, you see his legs, you see his talent, you're giving him the option and he's not calling his own number. Okay. I, that, and Spencer Sanders should have supreme confidence in his athletic ability, where if he's not doing that, then there is a much bigger issue that you have between that guy's ears that where he may be done. And that that sucks because, A, he's a good kid. He's a really good kid if you ever get the chance to talk to him. And, B, he's got an opportunity to be a leader, but it feels like there are times it feels like that team lifts him up versus the other way around. Compared to OU, Spencer Rattler, even as a redshirt freshman, is the unquestioned leader of that offense. I'm not 100% certain at Oklahoma State, Tylen Wallace isn't the leader of that offense at OSU. So I don't know if it's a confidence problem or or what, but no, you're absolutely right. He needs to be running the ball more. And I should never say you should never say that about a quarterback. I but, think from a personality know, standpoint, Texas. everything I hear is that he's he's the guy, he's the guy that everybody looks to and and he's kind of the alpha in that group. So, you know, from a leadership standpoint, I still think he's the he's the voice that that they all want to hear. Uh, on on that offense, the play calling thing is interesting. I've not heard anybody point out that that there's any sort of issue with him not reading things correctly or not calling his numbers. So maybe that's something that we need to pay a little you know closer attention to. But I, I'll say this: I mean, this is one reason why I think Oklahoma State's having the offensive struggles they're having. Teams, I, I feel like at least, and and I don't know if you have Pat, you and Pat have talked about this, but. Every time I watch Oklahoma State's offense, it, it seems very noticeable to me that defenses go into that game saying, you can do whatever you want to do against us, but you are not going to beat us with Chuba Hubbard on the ground. Like, we are going to do yes. everything. We are going to sell out to take that away. And look, I think there have been a lot of Oklahoma State fans that are, are screaming, like, to that point, they're dedicating so much of, of their defensive looks to stopping the run that Tylen Wallace has been in some really advantageous situations that they've not taken advantage of. So, um, you know, to that point, I, I don't know what they're calling necessarily. I think there are more opportunities for Spencer Sanders to run the football, and a lot of that is because I think defenses are so focused on selling out to not let Chuba Hubbard go off. And, and look, this one's going to be really interesting because – I was at the game a year ago in Stillwater when Chuba Hubbard went for, what, 298 or 296 against Kansas State. I was at that game, and that was one of the most special performances I've ever seen from a running back. Kansas State's going to remember that. They are also going into this game not going to allow Chuba Hubbard to beat them. If you beat them in the air, if you beat them with the quarterback, whatever, they are not going to allow Chuba Hubbard to go for nearly 300 yards on the ground again. So I think that's they're going to be their game plan. And again, I think that opens up some other avenues for Oklahoma State to take. But I, I, yeah, I think that's something that uh, I'll, I'll pay more attention to that this week and, and kind of see what, what my feel is for, you know, those RPO type situations and, and what it looks like he is trying to read what so with that in mind let's put you in casey dunn's shoes that's would that's you scary. knowing knowing that knowing that kansas state's going to sell out this week to stop chuba hubbard would you do what oklahoma state did at the very beginning of the texas game would you try and stretch the field absolutely is that 
is that how you would would approach the game this week is is try you know automatically get them thinking about the deep pass versus maybe catch Tylen Wallace five, 10 yards out and just try and hit him in the numbers and, and, and let him go for yards after the catch. Well, here's, here's what I'm going to just guess happens. And, and look, I'm, I'm not an expert. I'm not nearly as smart as, as football coaches, but I'm going to guess that they try and stretch them sideline to sideline first. And you'll see a lot of screen passes. I think that also is going to give Spencer Sanders confidence out of the gate. And so I think that's what you see early in the game is Oklahoma State do a lot of that and try and let their their guys on the perimeter make some plays in, in some good matchups. And then you pick your opportunities to take those shots down the field with Tylen Wallace. That makes sense. Um, that, that makes a lot of sense. I was a, I was a bit surprised you know, right out of the gate against Texas. They, they tried to go with that, you know, a, a pass – as as deep as they did because i thought it was always one of those things with sanders it almost feels like he's a guy that's got you got to warm him up a little bit and then once you get that once you get him going then then, then he's able to kind of show off the arm talent the legs and everything else but you just got to get that offense going and get everybody back on their heels i might actually look if, if i got an advantageous matchup with tylen wallace i may try and go deep especially if i can get him out over the Absolutely. middle with nobody around done i mean that that ball's getting in his hands because i mean once it does he is so incredibly one he's incredibly hard to cover but two he's fast enough that you know if he's got a couple of yards on you it's so hard to run him down and i don't know i've kind of been disappointed in his season this year not necessarily from his performance standpoint but I kind of thought going into this year, Tylen Wallace might be a guy, a dark horse guy for Heisman mentioned offensive player of the year, all these kind of awards because he is Oklahoma, because he is Oklahoma state's best offensive player. I mean, despite what everybody thinks of Chuba Hubbard, it is Tylen Wallace. You knew the knee injury was going to be, you know, might have something to say about it and his health wise, but you just, you haven't seen him have that big of a year, and I don't think it's necessarily his fault. It's not that he's playing bad, but it just hasn't been as glorious, yeah. for for lack of a better for for lack of a better term than what than what I thought it was going to be. It it's, feels like it's, it's been a struggle for them to get him the ball. And again, that's yeah. you know that that's the problem with with receivers is it's it's not necessarily about them. It's about the offense and specifically about the quarterback and, and having those opportunities to even get the ball in their hands. So I'm with you. I think Tylen Wallace needs to be featured more within the offense. And look, I've said this about OU with Austin Stogner all season long. Like, I don't know how that dude isn't, isn't featured within the offense more than he is. But all that aside, I, I think, yeah, Tylen Wallace needs to be featured in the offense more. They need to, to figure out ways to get the ball in his hands. And and look, in this matchup, once again, I anticipate Kansas State remembering what Chuba did to them a year ago is going to sell out to prevent Chuba Hubbard from going for 300 yards again. And I like I'm I'm a, I'm at the point where you probably just go to the line of scrimmage every play, look at what's available, look at what where the safeties are and what Tylen Wallace is dealing with. And if it's a if if you feel like it's even a 50-50 Tylen Wallace is probably going to win most of those 50-50s. So, oh yeah, <laughs> go to number two all yeah. day long. I, this could be, you know, this could be one of those games where uh, he makes a big statement. You know, I mean, the numbers. I think that's the thing. I think the numbers are a little bit disappointing 
But when you're watching him every week, he takes advantage of almost every opportunity he gets. That So I, I get why you say it's disappointing in a way. At the same time, like, when he does have the chance to make a play, it seems like he's making it almost every time. It's almost like, in a sense, he's the, he's the forgotten man in, in the state of Oklahoma. And look, this is definitely a, a crimson state. I mean, it, it's, you know, OU is always going to be the larger story. But because we've talked so much about Chuba Hubbard in, in the offseason, so much about Spencer Rattler, uh, the, the, at the beginning of this season, uh, we've we've hounded on OU's defense. We've praised OU's defense. Oh yeah, I mean, it's it's almost like you have to remind people the the best offensive player in the state is still at Oklahoma State, and we're not talking about him. We're we're not saying anything about Tylen Wallace, which is probably kind of maybe maybe Tylen Wallace likes it that way, but. He is a guy that, I mean, honestly, it just, he needs to, somehow we need to figure him more into the conversation, but I mean, this is the most I've talked about him all year yeah. long between the show in Tulsa and this one and the podcast that we've done. This is the most Tylen Wallace has ever been discussed. And that, that's, that's, it's bothersome just because it's, it's almost like when he catches a ball, oh yeah. Oh yeah, we I f- forgot they had they had this guy too, and um, yeah, we're also remembering that o, that uh, OSU has cowboy backs or tight ends or or whatever you want to call them because they're figuring more into the offense in in these last couple of weeks. So it's been look, there's a, there's a lot going on, but but I feel like we've kind of you know we we've missed you know we've missed talking about the best player the, the best offensive player in the state all, yeah. all year long for for other things so it's good to be talking about him i, I do want to hit some ou and i know that i've not i've barely talked about ou this week and a lot of that is just because i mean what well, do you say about it kansas. yeah what do you say about a kansas matchup i listen to this number real quick i looked this up yesterday to kind of make this point this is the reason why there hasn't been a ton of ou talk but i do want to hit their defense here in a second but uh, Kansas against Big 12 opponents this year. They've played five Big 12 opponents. They're giving up 47.8 points per game. And it's not like, they, I mean, they haven't even played Oklahoma yet. They're giving up 47.8 points per game against Big 12 opponents. The average margin of victory right now against Big 12 opponents, 33 points. Wow. Like, so I do want to talk about Oklahoma. And we're going to hit the defense in a minute. This is just one of those weeks where it's like, what do you say going into this matchup? We're not going to, like, I, the only the only way you learn anything about this defense is if Kansas scores like 28, right? Like, I, I, or yeah. Spencer Rattler throws like five interceptions. There's not really anything you can learn about Oklahoma, and there's not really any questions I feel like you can ask about Oklahoma this week that get answered in this Kansas matchup. I mean, look, if you want to start talking about young players getting opportunities and, and, how they look in those opportunities, then that's a whole different conversation. But that's the reason why um, I've I've not talked about OU that much because it's Kansas. They're giving up forty-seven point eight points start, per you game against Big Twelve You could you could start Chandler Morris in this game, and, and oh no, OU should win by fifty. Absolutely, yes. I mean, that's how bad. Absolutely, that's how bad Kansas is. Um, I don't. I mean, you could start a back. I mean, McGowan could be your featured back this you know, this week and you, you'd win by 50. Um, I mean, the only way OU doesn't win this game is if, is if COVID beats them. 
That's it. Yeah. There is there is no scenario. I mean, enter it into a computer a hundred times out of a hundred, and OU is going to come back and win and win decisively. You said even if you know if Spencer Rattler threw five, you know, threw five interceptions, well, are those going to all be pick sixes? Because can't I don't think Kansas can score even if you put OU's defense on the on the one yard line every time. Yeah. I just have no faith in this team. Pat Jones says this is the worst Kansas team he's ever seen. Okay, and think about this. Yeah, without Pat Puka? coach back in the yeah Pat coached back in the eighties when Kansas had some dog teams, some really I mean, that program in K State. Everybody rips on K State. Kansas wasn't too far ahead of K-State from being the worst program in the, in the nation back in the 80s. So if Pat Jones, who has, you know, coached in five different decades, says this is the worst Kansas team he's ever seen, that is a powerful statement. And I honestly believe that Les Miles and that crew, they're just trying to get to the end of the season as healthy as they possibly can. Yeah. And I mean, that's why you don't talk about a game like this because even oh, I me mean, OU fans know. I mean, most OU fans are going to tune in, watch this game, and the good thing is, is that the OSU game overlaps and it has a chance to be a heck of a lot more entertaining. And I think more OU fans who haven't had an opportunity to see Oklahoma State this year may tune in and watch that game just to know what they're facing in in Bedlam a couple of weeks from now. Yeah, well, it's stupid. This isn't. I know the 11 a.m time slot is now the big time slot and so that's why this game isn't in the 11 a.m time slot but this game needs to be first of the day get it over with and move on to the rest of the schedule but uh yeah it's look to say kansas is disappointing means you have to have some sort of expectation going into the season so i'm not going to say they're disappointing (laughs) but I, i will say this a year ago they were in football games in the fourth quarter like when you go back yes. and look at what they went three games and there were three other games that halfway through the fourth quarter they were in and had the opportunity to win. I think Texas escaped late with a win against Kansas. I think West Virginia escaped late with a win against Kansas. So the the thing about Les Miles' first year was at least they looked more competitive than they had been in a long time. And they were at least in some ball games in the fourth quarter as opposed to now where, I mean, by halftime, it's like, okay, this is done. So they have regressed <laughs> from where they were last year. But you take Puka Williams out of the equation – I was talking to Brian Haney, their play-by-play guy, before the season, and, and he kind of gave me the the heads up on Jalen Daniels, the freshman quarterback. He's like, you know, he's going to be good. He's he's a skilled guy, but he's also young. And, you know, they they he was talking about it before the season. He's a guy that from you know has a lot to learn, and he's going to make a lot of mistakes. Like, like we're seeing with, you know, the Spencers in, in this state, he's going to make a lot of mistakes. So when you have an offense that already isn't any good, you lose the best playmaker, and you're playing a freshman quarterback who's going through this for the first time, who's also making a lot of mistakes, this is just a bad recipe. Kansas is, it's a 38-point spread, and honestly, like, I don't I, I don't know that that's enough. It's Depending not, on what Oklahoma does. Center, but... Oklahoma could certainly, you know, call it quits and, and uh, show mercy before they get to that point but this could be a I mean if they wanted to make this a 100 to 0 game I think that's within the realm of possibility well I mean showing mercy I mean showing mercy you make it to the point where you just have to kneel but even if you're even if you're handing the ball off and you're not putting the ball in the air watch Kansas they don't have any way of stopping you they're a bottom I mean, 10 rush defense in college football yeah yeah 
I mean, you you saw if you saw him against Oklahoma State. I mean, Oklahoma State's offensive line, and we talked about it earlier. They're not. They're they're not. They're an okay unit at, at best, and, and they've they've regressed. They regressed last week. They look like world beaters coming off the line against Kansas. To me, Chuba Hubbard had a huge day. Ramondre Stevenson is what I keep saying. Stevens Stevenson Stevens right. What? Stevenson. Ramondre Stevens. Stevenson. He's going to have a huge day. McGowan's going to have a huge day. If, if Rattler wants to run, honestly, I would not expect to play Spencer Rattler the entire second half, maybe even midway through the second quarter. I mean, it's going to 38. I'd be surprised if they're not up by 35 at the end of the first quarter. By the way, you made me doubt it's myself, not- and I just had to look up the box score to make sure it was Stevenson. So if I say Stevens sometime the rest of this week, I'm sending you like a box of dog turds for putting that in my brain. Well, well I'm, I was I'm like, Steven, it is Stevenson. Wait, am I so right? So I can remember stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, starting to, I, I'm, start, I'm starting to take Prevagen so I can remember stuff. Nice, um, nice. I've always been horrible with names, which is terrible for a talk show. You're right. That's like, wait, is that? And then you lose confidence in what you're saying about, wait a second. No, 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 no. I thought it was right. No, 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 no. Maybe I'm wrong, and I got to do what you do. Look at the box score. But I was like, it's Stevenson. It's Stevenson. And then all of a sudden, like, I just had this, like, moment of, like, are you sure? Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, I, for OU, I mean, one, you just want to make it out with no injuries. Two, you almost, this is going to sound so bad because Coach Pat Jones will tell me I'm nuts for saying this, and you always have to fear any opponent or not. You always have to respect every opponent, not necessarily fear, but respect. But honestly, aren't you kind of treating this like a, a scrimmage? I mean, isn't that what it is? I mean, isn't the whole purpose of this game with Kansas to find out, you know, where you are with, with a lot of your younger players, as you said, because you've got a pretty good idea where your defense and your and your offense is right now. and That, that should be the goal, well, but because that's the goal, that's why you need the, the starters to be sharp and take care of their business early so you can do that. So I, there's two clean, sides to that sword, I think. Else. You're right. That that should be the goal in this game because the outcome is, is decided. Oklahoma is going to win this game. But you can't just treat it like a scrimmage because if your starters go out there and treat it like a scrimmage, although they're going to win, if they don't put the game away early enough, then you don't have the opportunity to let those guys get the reps that you want them to get. Yeah, and the, the, the goal, the big goal for Lincoln Riley, if you were, if there was one thing you, you should be stressing, should be stressing in, in practice this week is, guys, our goal, no penalties no penalties yes that, that's our goal and look if you're gonna get you know let's obviously you know no celebration penalties whatever but the big thing we want to concentrate on nothing before the snap you know no before zero absolutely zero before the snap penalties if you get deemed for holding if you get deemed for pass interference those are things that we can live with but no late hits not, nothing that in a game of magnitude might put us in a bad situation. Let's go out and treat this like a game of magnitude, and we're going to play the most physical, clean football game we possibly can, which means no penalty. You completely decimate them along the defensive line, and 
you know, for for every running back, every running back ought to feel like they can get a hundred yards. Yes. I mean, they may not because you get pulled, but but that's that's how you gotta you gotta approach this game. Now you say look sharp. I mean, you want you come in at the end of that game. You just essentially the, the end of the game speech was good game off week on Oklahoma State. That's it. You don't you know honestly this game nobody deserves a game ball. Let, let me ask you about that real quick because I, I do think there is an interesting element. Uh, again, not from a competitive standpoint, point, but from a from a mentality standpoint, going into this game, uh, you mentioned the turnovers and and the penalties and just you know playing clean football, which they've been able to do the last two weeks compared to Iowa State, Kansas State, Texas games. I mean, penalties and turnovers were big issues in all those. So the last two weeks, you've you've turned that corner. That should be a goal once again against Kansas. My biggest question, I think, with this game is, number one, last week, basically everybody played a half of football. We anticipate everybody's going to play a half of football this week, and then you have a bye week, and then you have Oklahoma State. So you're talking basically about your starters playing one full game in a total, in a four-week period from from the TCU, or the, the Tech game to the Oklahoma State game. That's a four-week period, right? Or yeah. Three week okay. So anyway, I, so tap, so tap, so tap the brakes. I mean, maybe you leave those guys in a little bit longer because yeah. of the because of the time off. That would make sense. Yeah. So again, a half, they they played a half against Tech. Say they play a half against Kansas, and then they don't play next week, and then all of a sudden it's Oklahoma State. So that's that's one part of it. The other part is, how much extra do you give Stevenson and Perkins? Is is this a scenario where? You let even if even if you are changing the majority of the the ones out and, and giving the twos opportunities, do you do you give those guys a little bit of extra run just to you know work them back into game shape? Because again, this is your last opportunity before your biggest game of the season. Well, both of those guys have been playing scout team. Yeah, uh, which I mean, it's I mean that's going to help yeah. you obviously a little game bit. Shape. Yeah. So, so maybe more with Perkins than than Ramondre simply because. The reason the reason you probably do it with Perkins is one, how confident are are you in the in the backups that you have defensive wise? And the last thing, I mean, OU's defense is probably in a position where they need two, three starters to play the entire game, j- just to make sure that it, you're you're not getting into some you know backdoor cover late touchdown kind of situations. Not that Lincoln Riley's necessarily worried about the point spread, but if you have two, three starters in, they're always going to demand that these backups play to their level. And the backups are going to want to play to their level. They're going to hold the backups accountable for any mistakes that they, they made. And OU's defense isn't good enough now to really not have that situation play out. That's, that's maybe the biggest thing that you got to worry about is, you know, where's the accountability being held on OU's defense? Is it strictly from coach to players or are there other players holding each other accountable for when they miss tackles or they bust, you know, they bust coverage or whatever. I would certainly, if I'm Alex Grinch, I'm going to have, they're going to be three starters on the field at all time, all time during this game. Cause I just, I need, you know, I need to know that not, not so much worried about, I'm not so much worried about them getting hurt as much as I'm worried about, you know, the intensity still being there that when you're up on a team, 53 to whatever midway through the third quarter that you're still playing with intensity 
and, you know, and, you, and you haven't you haven't shut it down. And that may be OU's biggest problem in this game is shutting it down midway through the third quarter and then playing sloppy. Yeah. Now, that's one thing that Lincoln and Riley will have to worry about as this game goes along is, okay, it's in hand. And not that you're going to okay. lose from playing sloppy, but just that you're not going to get anything out of those reps, right? Right. Yeah. And and that that's the reason why I definitely keep starters in on the defense. With Stevenson, it's, you know, hey, <laughs> you're running back. I don't I don't need you taking the beating. I don't need you taking the beating for a game that, that's well in hand. Yeah. You know, rest that body. And with a running back, I'd feel much more, I'd feel comfortable, more comfortable with him having a couple of weeks to get that body and rest because, yeah, we're going to, OU's going to scrimmage or do whatever on, on, in that off week, and they'll probably take that off week to get healthy, but I just don't want to risk an injury to him where it's a week's worth of treatment and then a big question mark going into Bedlam because they're going to need him against Oklahoma State. This would also be a match matchup for me where defensively in that nickel corner spot that has been such an issue, I would probably, <laughs> with the starters, give a bunch of guys opportunities because, again, even if they're worse than what they're currently putting out there, probably not going to cost you against Kansas. So why not no. <laughs> Why not see what else you have in that position with the, with the ones on the field and uh, that, g give it a go. See what happens. Do you think this is Buki's last year at OU? No. Where's it going to go? <laughs> Some, well, I mean, Nebraska wanted him. I mean, wasn't he a what, what, wasn't he a five-star beating down his door kind of recruit? <sighs> I, in a way, I'm I, so sorry I, for I him. don't want to beat I, up on the guy. I, I would just say this. Oklahoma has had one of the worst defenses in college football, and on a team that is considered one of the worst defenses in college football, he's been one of the biggest reasons why that is considered. So I, I don't know yeah. how many people would be knocking the door down to, to get him to move. Yes, maybe, I don't know, some Mountain West schools, San Jose State. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, the look, back? the IQ's there. He's, you know, you put him in a in a league where guys aren't as physically gifted as they are in, you know, Power 5 schools, then, yeah, I, I, I mean, he's probably a completely different player. Because he, he sees what, which, the field well, he reads, he diagnoses plays as well as anybody on the defense. So let me ask you this, and this is one thing I always wonder about recruiting. And, and which is look, it's, it's inexact on a great day, but when when you're looking at a kid like him, and I, I'm sure that he was recruited sort of with the idea that one of mine that he might get a little bit bigger, and that kind of hasn't happened. And obviously, he's going to be getting a little bit better. But it tells you one how tough a coach a coach's job is when you're talking to high school kids and coaches and parents. I mean, look because. Nine out of ten times, anybody that tells you anything about that kid is going to give you glowing reports. And then you're looking at other schools that were recruited him, so you're trying to make the judgment based on that. I mean, there are times you're just going to get it wrong, and and this is obviously one of the reasons, you know, one of the cases where you did get it wrong. But I just kind of wonder in recruiting how hard it is to see a kid like him and try and make two plus two equals four when you're deciding whether or not to give him an offer going, okay, you know, he's doing all this right, but you're also having to look at him versus his competition. Um, you know, how much, how much, maybe it's the better way to ask this is 
when you're on those recruiting visits, how much do you throw at a kid like that to find out what his acumen is versus just sell yourself and sell the program and, and try and be his friend so he'll sign there? How much do you throw at him to see if, okay, this kid can hack it or he's probably going to be an issue if we bring him along? Well, look, from a physicality standpoint, I, I think the reason you're offering him is is completely for – you know, what's between the ears. And again, I, I like, I, I don't criticize him for that part of the game. I think he understands the game really well. I think he sees the game really well. I think he constantly puts himself in the position to make good plays. Like that part of it's not an issue for me. It doesn't look like Buki's out there lost and, and doesn't understand his job or doesn't understand what he's doing. The problem is I don't think he's just physically gifted enough to play against a lot of the competition that he sees on a weekly basis. So you know, as far as the IQ part of it, I that that's not a problem to me. And, and I'm sure as soon as they talked to him, they understood that, you know, he has that ability. I, I would just say this. If they recruited him with the idea that he was going to get a lot bigger, then that's just a, a bad evaluation. I mean, look, you know, we can all be wrong in, in kind of projecting how guys are going to look as, as they, you know, grow into their bodies. But I I don't know anybody that looked at looked at Buki even as a freshman and thought when you look at his frame that he was going to be considerably bigger. He just doesn't look like a guy that has a lot to go. Whereas some guys you can see it. You can see that you know they're they're not very cut and you know there's and they have a big frame or whatever. Like I don't know with him that just seems like it would be a bad misevaluation if uh, if if you thought well he's small now but we're gonna completely change his body. It, I never got that. Uh, you start, you start, you start looking at brothers and dads, and you're like, okay, well, does he have the, you know, does he have another? Growth I mean, unless his dad walked in at like, like six five and said that he grew the summer of his nineteenth birthday, then. It's <laughs> like okay, well then, yeah, look there's at his, a chance. There's a chance. Well, and, and dad should, even if dad didn't, dad should say that just because hey, yeah. I'm trying to get my kid free school. I mean, there's. There's nothing wrong with not wanting to pay for your kid's school if you can avoid it. Believe me. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I, I need to get somebody uh, that that is a lot smarter than me as far as as evaluating defense. Because I, again, I watch him and I, I I don't think the mental part of it is a problem. So, hey, well, where the mental part of it's a problem is one, you had the you had the situation in the LSU game. Um, well, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Physically- that, that's a. I mean, from a from a X and O standpoint, not the. He probably yeah. understands that, I, you know. And and here's the other thing. Here's the thing about that, where I'll, I'll defend him in the LSU situation. The last thing you want to do, if a kid is an emotional player, the last thing you want to do is temper that, because once you take them out of not being them, and it's a lot of coaches' instincts to tell guys to to control their emotion. Well you got to know who you're telling that to. Some kids are really good at, at, at balancing that. Others, that is 100% what drives them. And if and if you're telling them that they've got to take that down and, and play more mentally, then they cease being who they are. Yeah. And therefore, they're not going to be near as effective for you. They're not going to – you just – because they're going to be so – because they're going to be so caught up in, in just the thinking part of the game – they're not, and not because they're they're lazy, but they're not going to run to the ball as hard. They're not going to be as maybe ferocious on tackles, or 
you know, as aggressive as where they could because they just don't feel comfortable because they're so concerned about doing things right and staying under control that they cease to be them. And, and if a guy is, is athletic enough and you can tell he's an emotional player, unfortunately, you have to kind of swallow your swallow a little bit of your pride, live with some penalties, some unsportsmanlike conduct, maybe some cheap shots, some late hits, whatever. But if he's delivering you know, seven times out of ten, eight times out of ten while being emotional, let him be him. Because you can coach caution into good players. You just have to know who those guys were. And that was one of Kenneth Murray's problems. It's too much caution coached into this guy. When you when you decided to turn him loose, you saw him. Mean, there was a Alex Grinch. Where I'll give Alex Grinch credit is how we handled Kenneth Murray. He turned him loose. And you saw a dramatic improvement from his game from when Mike Stoops was there to when Alex Grinch was there because it was like, yeah, you just go sick him. That's the way you handle that guy. And you just have to know who those guys are. Yeah. And it's very difficult, which means you've got to be a very good judge of personality um, yeah. before you start telling someone to adjust their game. Let's also bring – I want to bring this up real quick, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Uh, I, I, it's interesting with Buki, and, and I don't know that I've ever heard anybody talk about this, but he came in at a, at a time – where the Big 12 was kind of in the process of shifting the way that offenses look. And if you had the expectation that he was going to be like that nickel corner where, you know, five years ago, you're seeing guys like Jakeem Grant, you know, these little quick 5'8 type slot receivers in the Big 12, that probably works out a lot better than, you know, seeing a lot more teams use the tight end and the H-back and putting those guys in the slot position where teams are able to get 5'9 Buki on 6'3 tight end slash H-back <laughs> as opposed to where you know where Big 12 teams offensively were about three or four or five years ago, right? I mean, that's that's the other thing is yeah. even though teams are still running a spread in this league, it's a different version of the spread. And we started seeing that shift a couple years ago, especially when we saw all the coaching changes with you know Tom Herman runs an element of that. Lincoln Riley has always run an element of that. Matt Wells is is that kind of guy. Chris Kleiman is that kind of guy. Neil Brown is that kind of guy. I mean, all of these Campbell. Yeah, Campbell. Yeah, all of these all of these minds right now in the Big Twelve. They still run a spread, but they run a bigger, more I guess pro version of a spread where where they're they're it's just different personnel uh, and a different style than we've seen in the Big Twelve in the past. And and maybe Buki fits better, you know, in that you know five wide receiver, you know, traditional slot type receiver yes. spread that we saw in the Big 12 for years as opposed to, you know, kind of what we're seeing teams run in 2020 and, and 2019. Well, think about this. I mean, uh, OU who has, you know, changed up their offense throughout the last 20 years under Bob Stoops and, and now Lincoln Riley and done, done you know, a tremendous job of, of giving you different looks has always done a great job of recruiting tight ends. So they're kind of the ones that, you know, put that in vogue, and I don't—I don't know that they necessarily missed on Kohler because you had, you know, Stogner and you had Mark Andrews. I mean, Calcaterra. You know, I mean, yeah, you kind of didn't. You know, missing out on him wasn't a big loss because you had other guys. But yeah, I mean, look at Iowa State—two huge tight ends. Now, first of all, I'll go off the rails a little bit here and say that I think Oklahoma State did a great job of not letting them be as big a part of the game a couple of weeks ago as they could have been. Although Kohler did, Kohler had one hit him in the chest and ended up dropping it. But yeah, and 
no, a guy like Buki is not going to be able to, to, to match up with any of those guys that you mentioned. But here's the thing. You would think going against Austin Stogner every day in practice, you'd figure out a way to say, all right, he is not – obviously he's not going to be able to cover these guys, but we can get him in position to do X, and now that's that's just not working out. No, no. And if I play basketball with my I, son in the driveway, we could do it for 12 <laughs> hours a day. He is not going to block my shot. It's just not going to happen. He's no. just physically not capable no, of doing he, it, and that's that's the problem. But if but if he but if he develops a shot, he might be able <laughs> to create a little space and rain on you like Seth Curry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I don't. I don't think either, practicing but, against Austin Stogner does anything. I mean, again, that's just he just knows what the what the situation is. Maybe more than anything, he realizes like the disadvantage he's at. I mean, maybe from a mental standpoint, like he has a better understanding of that, but. I don't think that prepares him anymore for – I mean, you just physically can't do it. He just physically can't go get a football that, you know, these 6'4 guys that he's lining up across from can. Something I want you to think about for next week. All right. When we talk. How would you like to see Sam Ellinger or Skylar Thompson in Lincoln Riley's offense? How would you like to see Lincoln Riley mix it up a little bit more – take a little bit more of the philosophy that Josh uh, McDaniels had with New England, with Tom Brady even, where, yeah, there were shotgun elements, but there were times you went under center. Just think about how much you you would like to see that. If, if you think Lincoln Riley could do that, because that's – I keep every time I watch Sam Ellinger, I keep thinking, could he be successful with Lincoln Riley? What, what would Sam Ellinger look like with Lincoln Riley coaching him? To me, that's a fascinating discussion. Go watch um, last year's offense. With Jalen Hurts. Yeah. yeah, no, that's a good – no, that's that's good. That's real good. But did they ever have Hurts get under center last year? I don't think they did, did they? I, I'm i sure there were a few times. I, I Off the top of my head, I can't just think of any – they may they may have in a couple. I feel of like I, I remember maybe him being under center toward the end of the Iowa State game last year, but I, I could be wrong. But now that's I I would love to have a guy like Ellinger who could run and you know be that big physical guy and you know have a cannon arm the way that Kyler Murray did. Um, where is that guy? Find him. <laughs> find him. Find him. Everybody in the shoot. country wants that guy. I promise. <laughs> he's out there. He's who's whoever he is. I don't know, but he's out there. Got to be out. There. All right, my friend. Enjoy. Uh, enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy finally another football weekend. This has been, you know, we kind of got spoiled with sports like every night, and all of a sudden everything kind of ended except football, and so we're back to those like couple days in the middle of the week where there's not a lot going on. So. Uh, I know you'll be enjoying the weekend, enjoying lots of football, and uh, we'll we'll chat again next week. Thank you, Colby. Eric G, co-host of the Pat Jones Show, weekdays from 11 to 1 on the Sports Animal in Tulsa, 97.1. So check that out. And uh, again, Eric G, joining me every week. So uh, appreciate Eric. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast. Once again, thank you to Eric G from the Tulsa Sports Animal Joining me today as we get ready to wrap up the week tomorrow, uh, Aaron Davis going to join me, so uh, look out for that as well. If you want to contact me, you can do so via Twitter at Colby underscore Daniels, Instagram Colby.Daniels. Once again, big thanks to Artisan Botanicals. This podcast is presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Local ownership, great people. 
doing their very best to help everybody out there live a better life. So check out their line of natural medicine products. Look at the website, abotanicalcompany.com. Give them a call and ask questions. Find out what might best fit what you need. 405-458-9699. Again, Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. All right, everybody stay safe. Have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.